Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, friends. This is Josie from Speaking in Church, the podcast you are currently listening to. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about my favorite current thing right now, which is Anchor. Anchor is a free podcasting platform. Um, It's the easiest way to make a podcast. This dummy, yours truly, set it up real quick. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which, hello, talk about easy. You don't have to be some professional computer person, which is dope. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and literally wherever else you want to put it. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which, you know, some of us are just not going to get a million people listening, which is fine. Um, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you want to make your own podcast about literally anything like the two of us, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast with me, Josie. And me, Spencer. And this week... Sorry, I was going to say that, but you say it now. Your turn. (laughs) Uh, This week, our guest is Josh Holm, the founder and creative director of Castles and Queens. Josh is a 26-year-old fashion designer based in Los Angeles. He grew up in South Korea and was adopted at the age of five. Uh, He attended Azusa Pacific University, but went on later to live overseas in Osaka, Japan to study fashion. His current collection follows the narrative of an American girl caught in human trafficking. His brand hopes to bring awareness to the causes of human trafficking through the debut collection, Lovers. Please give a warm welcome to Josh Holm. Hey guys, happy to be here. Great to have you. I'm stoked about this conversation. Um, mostly because I have a lot to say about white women in the evangelical <laughs> church, <laughs> but you know, also because I'm very passionate about the subject. So, of course. so Josh, if you want to just kind of give us a background, um, I, 
obviously I I've known you for a few years. We met at APU. Um, and so I know you have a very, a very deep and just like, I don't even know how to describe it. Your story is very deep. Um, and so you don't have to go into like total details, just kind of give a brief overview of where you are now, what led up to, um, your clothing brand and the lovers collection, um, and highlight just how you've been involved and or why you're passionate about human trafficking. Yeah, of course. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. Uh, love to kind of share my story and, um, I'm stoked to kind of have this conversation with you guys. Uh, to summarize kind of my journey here, um, I attended APU uh, for college in Southern California, and I graduated with a major in theology, as well as I minored in leadership and uh, took some classes in journalism. And so for me, I always thought I was going to start um, some kind of media news company that highlighted uh, kind of cultural stories happening in America, uh, hot topics, social narratives, and that was kind of always my goal. Um, and with my story, I did uh, grow up uh, in South Korea with my biological mom and was adopted at the age of five. And uh, we were separated for a long time. So when I grew up in America, um, I grew up here in America starting at the age of five. And so I always knew after college is when I wanted to take that personal journey to go and find her. And so when I turned 21, I graduated uh, APU and actually sold my car to buy plane tickets to uh, fly overseas to Japan, which is where she was staying at the time. Um, I ended up finding her. It was amazing. We now have a great relationship. Um, it's quite a crazy story when I think about it. I don't uh, always think about it uh, that much, but um, really is you know, I felt like God's hand was on my story and kind of like our reconciliation. Um, so with that, I actually spent the last two summers, uh, or the two summers after that uh, reunion in Japan. And so when I was there, um, I didn't speak the language. I'm actually half Korean, half black. Um, so it was kind of like a journey for me to even kind of make friends, be part of the community, uh, have a job. And so what I did was I picked up a camera and I started shooting photos for uh, this kind of event company. And when I was there one night, I was at an event um, that was a holiday in Japan. And I took a, a picture of these group of Japanese girls. And so being on social media, they asked for their picture uh, via Instagram. So I ended up sending them the pictures. And they thanked me. Um, again, the language barrier thing was very strong. And so when I... Uh, sent the pictures. I just never thought I'd hear from them again. Um, but about a week later, I got a message from one of them inviting me to this event. And so I said, sure, why not? I didn't have anything going on at the time. Um, I ended up going to the event and little and so that was the first time I was introduced to the platform of fashion. And two, I ended up being like the, this girl's primary guest for the show. No idea why. Um, but they were just really excited to have me. And so uh, I always kind of pinpoint that moment as the light bulb for me um, in terms of like the moment I decided I wanted to go into fashion. And two, that kind of uh, started my journey of what that looked like for me, um, kind of the why reason for me as well. Uh, and with that, that was, that's been like the last four or five years with a lot of different kind of twists and turns within that journey, but that would be um, kind of the pinnacle moment of why fashion. 
So when looking at, so we got to the point of why fashion. So what, so when we think about like human trafficking, for example, is one of the reasons that your, your line is dedicated to this because unfortunately, like there is a habit of fat in the fast fashion industry, like trafficking or forced labor. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a mix of everything. I think for me personally, um, I've always kind of had this artistic journey that I've taken since I was uh, probably since post-college. And for me, like, I think any artist, they always try to figure out the reason why, of why they want to create and put that out in the world. And so for me, I think why I chose fashion and this specific uh, collection um, that you introduced in the beginning correlates with human trafficking um, was because firstly for me that is the easiest way that um, it makes the most sense to me and also um, for me I can't just put something out in the world uh, and it have not in it not I feel like it can affect the change um, at least for the culture that I'm surrounded with. And so human trafficking for this um, was very specific in the way that I wanted to kind of tell this story and bring the story to light. Um, and kind of to summarize, like I interned in college at this nonprofit uh, in downtown LA and they are kind of like a hub for uh, different kind of issues going around in Los Angeles. So they cover homelessness, they cover domestic violence, they cover runaways, they cover human trafficking. And so during my time there, my sophomore year of college, um, I kind of was just plugged into this nonprofit and what they did. And so one of the um, one of the nights, one of the program managers took me out for an outreach, and that ended up being the first time I was introduced to human trafficking. Um, and so what they do is they hand out resources to these women on the streets. And for me, I think there's a lot of different angles, and we'll have to kind of. <laughs> dive into this because I don't want to talk too much um, but I think for me like it was finding out my why um, and bringing my personal experiences from what I experienced um, from sophomore year of college and then that journey of just kind of researching more about human trafficking what I could do to help um, to even like being a man you know they're, they're definitely like I I think it's been a journey just to find my role in this issue and I think I am so proud to stand by you know the woman uh, leading the issue and the voices that are necessary to bring healing to this issue. Um, and then three, you know, as, um, as you guys know, as a, as an artist and designer, like what fashion can do for this. Um, and so, yeah. It's so incredibly important for you to be a man in my humble opinion, because I mean, <laughs> one, it's not just women getting trafficked, right? I mean, more often than not, it's women but boys are also trafficked. Men also have the potential of being trafficked, um, especially in other countries. And I mean, men just have more privilege, right? Like you have that voice that needs to be heard and using that privilege is so incredibly important. So um, thank you for that, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> but I'm also curious as a fellow artist, how you um portray this narrative of human trafficking onto your fashion yeah so um what i did was my friend uh so the program manager who worked at that not 
not-for-profit in Los Angeles and ended up becoming my one of my, one of my really good friends. And um, he has always kind of encouraged my journey to tell this story. And uh, But for me, like, I consider her an expert in this industry. Like, she knows uh, the ins and outs. She knows how to um, save these girls. Uh, she's friends with a lot of these girls. And she has her own dream of running a program um, and kind of like the experiences that she had and what she feels like is most effective. Uh, so for me, when I was creating this collection and creating um, this campaign video um, and kind of this movement we wanted to start with Castles and Queens, um, I really used Monique as a soundboard uh, to what it should look like. And for me, I felt like that was the most important part was finding an expert um, and creating this content. And so with that, um, we actually created a video with actors and actresses and um, the actress I picked to play the role uh, of what was an, an American girl who ends up falling in love with her pimp, um, which is actually a very common theme in this world, especially in Los Angeles, and they call them Romeo pimps uh, for that reason. Um, and then she ends up being trafficked, and then she finds her way to freedom, which um, unfortunately isn't the most common story, but for this collection, I did want to show that element of hope in it. And so, um, there was a lot of moving pieces I felt like in the art uh, that I put out there and that cr that included a video, but that was also incorporated like in my clothes um, with like the language and the narratives that we used. Um, personally for me, like I'll give you one example. One of the, the first night that, um, again, I was introduced to human trafficking that night we were out. Uh, Monique, who is my friend who runs the program, um, stopped because she saw a girl that she didn't know. And so she knows a lot of these girls on the streets. Um, so this girl is very young. I'm just sitting in the back of the car kind of observing and she rolls up, rolls on the window and says, hey, like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Um, and this girl uh, must have been like 15, 16 and said, hey, like, you know, I'm here on the street because I have nowhere else to go. Um, I'm in a lot of financial trouble. This is all I felt like I could resort to. And um, for me, like those words hearing from, you know, someone that could be, you know, a friend of a friend or your cousin or even like your little sister kind of to put in perspective. Um, and that's what they have to resort to. And so for me, like one of the pieces that I uh, kind of designed from was I created a varsity jacket for me, which reminds me of high school. And it's just like a very simple kind of metaphoric way of saying like, you know, our youth are on the streets and, um, you know, I, I want to kind of create in a way where it just reminds you of the fact that like, boom, okay, so like luxury varsity jacket, I think of high school right away. But for me, it should also like, you know, represent the fact that like our youth who are exploited on the streets are also in high school and kind of like this ironic, um, just like metaphor that I feel like that we can easily kind of integrate art with uh, if we want to. I think that, so just, you're bringing a level of humanity to it of, hey, like there's children out on the streets because I think especially in in the United States, uh, you think of, because obviously human trafficking has such um, deep ties to sex work and I think in the United States, when we think of sex workers, especially specifically like prostitutes, like we think of 
women and we think negatively of them, but we never take the step further to be like, okay, but they're not just like adults making a choice. Like there's, there's children, there's girls, there's young boys that are on the streets. And a lot of them maybe didn't even have a choice because whether they were influenced by a pimp or something, some of them just got to exactly what you said of a place that they were so desperate that they felt like they had no other choice. And so I think exactly what you're saying of like, it's just this reminder of like, you're bringing a level of humanity to it that I think a lot of people miss because, you know, we can hear statistics, we can hear about, um, I believe it's about there's 40 million people worldwide that are trafficked every year, and one in four of them are children. And you hear those and you think like, oh my gosh, that's so many people, but then it almost takes away the humanity because those are 40 million individual people, one in four of them children, like exactly what you said, your sister, your cousin, your friend, like, right. it's, it's just, it's so hard to think about. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I think that's one of the reasons that like, I, I picked a very specific uh, kind of lane and story element, um, you know, in this idea of like a Romeo pimp. And I felt like a lot of the response that we got, people were surprised that pimps kind of behave this way. And it's just like a very real, uh, you know, fact of the matter in a very, you know, and I think even bringing awareness to like how this operates um, and, you know, like there, there's, there's a love component, there's a toxic component, there's a uh, toxic component, there's even like a home life component to the fact that like, you know, one of the things that Monique said that will always stay with me is that like 90% of the pimp's job is already done when they meet the girls because, um, you know, they've had to grow up in this a lot of times. And a lot of us come from these broken homes that just make it easy to kind of fall into these traps, these words. Um, and then you end up, you know, unfortunately, like out in the street. I'm curious um, because, I mean, I went to school with you, so I know I'm aware of your passion for this just from the peripheries. Um I'm curious because you're so passionate and you've created art around it and you're very involved and this is like your um, life's passion. What do you think about hashtag save our children? What do I think about one more time? Hashtag save our children. Hashtag save our children. Yes. Um, you know, that's a good question. I, I, I tend to, I think in 2020, like everything, uh, you know, tends to be politicized. Um, and so I, I think it's unfortunate that like such an unfortunate, you know, issue like human trafficking that needs, you know, sustainability, that needs volunteers, it needs the financial kind of push. Um, gets sometimes like correlated with these hashtags. I think for me personally, um, I would probably have mixed feelings about it. I think for, for any, I think I've always been a fan of um, bringing awareness to a cause because I think that promotes conversation. And I think anytime that promote, like conversation is promoted, I, th I, t I think that people tend to get educated. And I always think that's a good thing. And I think in America specifically, like education across the board uh, just needs to happen. Um, now I think with Save the Children, um, I think there's like a lot of elements to it uh, that are used for agendas um, 
as you can kind of tell, I'm trying to like kind of tiptoe around the, <laughs> around the question. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you guys think about it? I'm curious. Um, oh. Well, well. So first of all, if you wanted to get political, feel free. Like we have zero filters on this podcast. <laughs> but you also don't have to. I know that you yes. have like a cool brand or whatever. So don't yes. feel like you have to. <laughs> but um, I appreciate that. For for me personally so the so just in just like the backstory the first time i was exposed to human trafficking i was 14 years old at a christian summer camp um we we actually watched a documentary called bought b-a-h-t which is obviously like talking about girls being bought but bought is the currency in cambodia and at the time the documentary was produced cambodia was like the sex traffic capital of the world basically um, and so yeah. it, and so it followed, it followed the story of rescuing girls from the sex traffic and being brought to an organization called Rafa House International, which is a great organization because again, this is one of those boots on the ground. They've been doing work for decades in Cambodia and have expanded throughout Southeast Asia to rescue women and children and, and men from trafficking. Um, so that was the first time I was exposed to human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking and, growing up as a white girl in the United States, it was very removed. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that like girls in my own community could have the potential to be trafficked until I went to college and then started learning about, um, in the United States, you know, um, things like the Super Bowl, like that's a big, that's a big time for, um, pimps to just bring girls into the city. Um, and then other global events like the world cup, like those things just, are astronomical in the terms of like the sex industry. Um, and so through my time at APU, um, getting to know just different organizations, whether it be um, A21, Dressember, or the um, International Justice Mission, like those are things that I think of, like when I think of human trafficking, of like, oh, these are people that are like doing real work and I've known about them for years. So I I definitely see where, where you come from, Josh, with the like, okay, like, I have mixed feelings about the hashtag because as someone that's known about this for pretty much like almost 10, maybe even more years now, like it should be talked about more, but at the same time, the way that the hashtag came about, the way that people responded to it was wrapped and fed in these sort of exactly what you said, agendas, dare I say some of them being like conspiracy sort of theories that I think just derail and distract from the actual mission and the actual education that needs to happen. Um, so that's just kind of my feeling about the hashtag save the children sort of movement that came about this year. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yes. Thanks for sharing Spencer. Um, I'm not so nice as Spencer. I'm, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, have a couple friends who are, you know, of different political persuasions than I am. I'm very liberal, very much a hippie, whatever. And it was very, like you said, it was very discouraging for me to see these, and maybe it's not all white women, maybe whatever, to see all these white essential oil moms marching up and down in parks saying, save our children, when they had like no solutions in mind and they acted like nobody was doing anything about the situation um which was weird because people were like oh look they all of a sudden they find these 30 kids or whatever in georgia or wherever it was 
and they're like why can they do it all of a sudden and in my head i was thinking i'm they've probably been you know searching for these kids for years and you just didn't know about it because you can't know about it because then it would ruin the whole thing and i i don't know i guess from my passion and radical reading i've just kind of come to know that there are people that are doing the job of finding people that are trafficked and rescuing them from the situation like the fbi or like these huge teams of software engineers who are just like trying to get rid of child pornography or and people ignore that because they don't like black lives matter marches it was very discouraging especially to see all these quote-unquote christians being the ones to champion this against black lives matter and trying to drown them out it was it was um i felt like they were using the issue of sex trafficking to their own political benefit right. in that way yeah i uh, i totally i actually uh i agree with a lot of what you said and i, I think that's kind of why i preface like i think 2020 has had um like a lot of those moments to be honest and i think uh people tend to want to stray away from like for example like when i feel like if i go up to any human being and say um you know here here's the facts about human trafficking this is what it is i would think that 99.9 percent of people would say like oh yeah that's awful like that sucks um you know then a certain percentage would ask like how can i help um but so I think like a lot of people, when you're referring to kind of maybe this like boomer generation, um, you know, when they pick up a hashtag like save the children, um, it's something that they feel like they can easily kind of connect to and advocate for because there's not a lot of political strings attached to it. Um, sorry, not like not political strings, not a lot of uh, uncomfortable strings attached to it. Um, maybe a saying a statement like Black Lives Matter, um, you know, or going against like police brutality, uh, things that are very real, prominent in our country, um, but maybe uncomfortable for some people to like kind of take a stand on. And so I think that's where my kind of bug is with like a hashtag like Save the Children is that um, you're exactly right. Like this doesn't need a 40 minute parade with posters. Um, it needs like applicable solutions. And I think like one of the things that I've learned over the last four or five years is what are these solutions? And you're exactly right when it comes to software programs and engineering, um, you know, trying to debunk this thing online to uh, departments, you know, tackling, um, you know, inner city human trafficking or national human trafficking um, to program uh, managers to social workers um and then you need your advocates you need your volunteers but yeah, it's, yeah i i see where you go both of you guys are going with that for sure yeah it just feels like if you i'm all about not bitching about something if you don't offer up a solution um yeah. and so my challenge to any of you who are listening who are all about hashtag save the children in a very q on way anyway um go become a software engineer go learn coding Go, that's your solution. Go do that. All right. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, and kind of just like jumping off of what Josh said, I think exactly the the sort of point of 
when you, when you talk about like hashtag save the children, or even just when you say like, oh my gosh, human trafficking is awful. Like we need to stop it. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of follow-up in the sense of like, well, what are you doing about it? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very much one of those things that like you can support from afar and it makes you feel good and no one's going to follow up if you're actually doing anything about it, which I think is one of the the biggest things that bothered me about the whole like hashtag save our children because again like it does start at education and I definitely think like people need more education so if people researched the hashtag and got real facts about human trafficking and and that caused them to follow some action whether it be getting involved in local organizations donating money anything like that then yeah I think there's good from it but I think just from my own perspective of what I've seen from my own timeline and the people sharing, like it, it was very much one of those, like, we're going to hashtag this for a couple weeks and then we don't talk about it anymore. And that's like what infuriates me the most about the whole situation. Yeah. Where's your passion now, homies? <laughs> I don't see your hashtag. <laughs> you should hashtag under this podcast, Save the Children. I know for real. Honestly, yes. <laughs> Listen to us. <laughs> Listen to us. So going, so I mean, going off it, of, that's a good place of where, what do you think are some good action steps for just, I think, especially if we want to tie it into um, like a faith community, you know, we all went to APU, we share some sort of commonality in a faith aspect, whether, whether it be, I obviously, I don't know what your faith journey looks like now, but at some point, we went, all went to APU. I know you studied theology. We had some preaching classes together. So there's some commonality of the church, especially the church, like wanting to be involved. Like what is an active step that yeah. you think somebody, especially a person of faith could take that is sustainable? Yeah, that's a good. That's like the question. Um, and I think that's, you know, always been kind of like this personal I'm still on that journey of you know kind of like solving that question um and to be honest like a lot of it is a self-reflective like you know question when it comes to the issue of human trafficking as well like it for one like let's just lay let's just say how it is like you know this issue exists because you know of the moralities of men um oof amen and (laughs) Men need to, you know, begin to, one, there needs to be a, a standard set, and, and that needs to be followed, and two, um, that needs to be acted upon, and that's, like, a conversation in life for the person in church and person out of church, like, that, just, like, just be a good person, uh, just be a good man, and I think, like, when men start becoming uh, men, when fathers begin to start becoming fathers, and, and not to, like, knock, you know, all the good men that are out there and the good dads, but at the same time, um, you know, that's a start. And so I think that for me, like, I, you know, I'm very aware of like my kind of role in this and the fact that, uh, you know, my voice is needed, but at the same time it's needed in a very specific lane. And I have no issue with that. Um, and so one of the things that Monique said to me, um, and I'm sorry, I just keep referring to her, but she's just, you know, one of my, you know, great, greatest, greatest friends, and I really admire her. 
one of the things she said to me about you know this video that we put out was like make sure that the the saving figure in the video is not a man and is not a white woman um and that's kind of self-explanatory like I, for me like i don't think like much more needs to be said and it's not a knock on all the great men or all the great white women in this world um that are doing great things but um it just needs to represent like what it actually looks like and so i think that's the start uh for sure other other ways to sustainably be active um i would say one like actively do the research on local organizations that are uh, doing the change and a lot of them need help to be honest and you know one of the like basic things that i learned like you know when i first was introduced to this was the girls don't have access to like basic needs like they don't have uh premenstrual like uh sorry like i don't i don't know the verbiage for this forgive me hygiene Um, yes that's it so they don't have like a lot of those needs so a lot of the times that the things donated to these programs um, are things like that. Um, and so it's the little things, like find out like what your local organization is doing and what they need. Um, and then two, Josie, like, I love what you said, like, you know, become one of these things. Um, if it's not your main gig, make it your side gig. If you're passionate about it, uh, we can all do something. And for me, I've never ever used that as an excuse to um, well, I can't do this. Like, they don't need me. Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, this and that. I don't have a degree in this. Just shut up. <laughs> you can you can do it. You know, you can do something. And so, um, yeah, I, w- I would start there. And I think there, uh, those conversations um, obviously take more form. Uh, but that's, like, very, like, that, that, I feel like that's a great foundation of conversation of, like, what it looks like to act on it. And for the church, um, honestly talk about it talk about like what what this issue is talk about uh where this issue starts like in the heart and i would say like you know have uncomfortable conversations so uh, for me like that's been one of my most biggest frustrations um in some church communities is like they don't tend to go to those uncomfortable places and i would just challenge um them that they do so yeah, churches, um, instead of shaming women for their normal bodily functions, why don't you start, you know, avoiding toxic masculinity and <laughs> be a little bit more um, sex positive in the sense that, you know, sex exists. And if you keep continue to put these men into these shame cycles, then they will probably resort to, you know, sex trafficking for sex. That's like a very classic route, you know? You just nailed it in like 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm uh, very concise. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you don't have to name me for this podcast. <laughs> well, well, so so one question um, I have, a, I mean, one, like taking ownership as a man, like I appreciate that. Like I'm sure all women appreciate that. But also like, it's sad to say, but like you're in the minority of that. Like, like men don't, in terms of this, like, they don't want to sort of take ownership because then they feel like they, it almost, like, adds to the shame of them because they're, like, oh, yeah, like, being, like, the role I play as a man, like, plays into human trafficking and, like, and especially, like, sex work, like, oh, like, that makes me feel awful. Like, how do you think that, like, what's a conversation to, like, combat that of being, like, hey, like, acknowledging doesn't mean that you are like the root of all this evil, but acknowledging means that you want to do something about it. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the kind of examples that I'll give that maybe makes more sense, at least it makes more sense to me when I think about this kind of question. Um, let's talk, you know, like, when I think about the issues of the statement Black Lives Matter, and a lot of people have issue with that, um, or kind of denouncing the fact that police brutality exists, um, specifically to black and brown people in the United States, um, I think what they're maybe having a hard time getting past is this implicit bias kind of ingrained in them, uh, whether from their upbringing, their cultural surroundings, uh, maybe it's the fact they didn't have a lot of black and brown people around them growing up, so it's just a very natural reaction. And so I think um, it's a very kind of similar, in my opinion, kind of concept of acknowledging the fact that it may even be a possibility um, that that could exist. And I think one of the things that we have to learn to do is uh, not shame that and come around that. And I think um, Josie, you nailed it on the head. If like if if there are if there are parts of us, and I'm talking on the behalf of men, that have these, you know, motives, but in the deep parts of our soul, like you know, it's wrong. You know, it contributes to, you know, these dark parts of society. You know, it doesn't raise, um, you know, better men. You know, it, you know, it just harms women. Um, then that just needs to be, a, like, brought to the. I feel like brought to attention and it doesn't mean you have to like post it as your Facebook status um, but you should definitely have like that place um, and that space uh, for transparency so that it only promotes uh, growth and it's only promotes kind of this like evolution uh, within you to get to this next place and I think the only reason I brought up the beginning part of that is because um, you know I'll give you this like one quick example but I had a friend who kind of told me the story of like when they were walking the street and it was, you know, a little dark and um, maybe they weren't, you know, uh, in a familiar place, but they were walking the street and from across the street, uh, they saw a dark skinned man and immediately they kind of had this like wave of, uh, they had this like wave of like kind of like fear and, um, realistically the man was just walking home <laughs> and I remember talking to that conversation about them with that uh, with them and they were just like am I racist like is that wrong and I'm like actually like you know like what that was was misplaced fear because dark skin shouldn't equivalent like fear to you or crime to you but the fact that you're calling it out like as it is like those like you know, natural, whatever was natural for you, like those feelings, like that's the first step. And I think when it comes to human trafficking with men, like it needs to be the same exact thing. Like we you need to talk about like, what are those kind of like, uh, just like those, those first and natural like emotions or feelings you have and then begin to evolve. And I think that's definitely like what I would say. Yeah, friends, Um, tell your dad not to make uh comments about women asking for it maybe is a good first step <laughs> well it's just like all these little things right that really perpetuate this culture of like not having any sexual agency that then leads to all these different types of situations right because i mean sex is not bad and consensual sex is not bad 
but it's when people are then victimized that it becomes rape and rape is bad. <laughs> right. No, 100%. And I think this plays into the conversation. So a few weeks ago, we had an episode about purity culture. And one of the one of the just reoccurring themes that was brought up of women, like from purity culture, specifically within like the Christian church, women always felt the, br- the blame or felt the weight of it of you need to dress modestly so your brothers don't stumble. Like you need to do this, like you need to do that. But I can guarantee you my fellow youth group boys never had to talk about modesty, like never had any sort of things like that. Like it was always about us as women, like learning not only just to protect ourselves, but to protect them because like they have these uncontrollable desires. And I think that leads into this exact conversation of, now we have grown men in the church that like can't even right. acknowledge like, oh my gosh, like I had some really bad thoughts and they just shoved it down and it just exactly what Josie said. And we're just perpetuating this culture of shame that feeds into this greater narrative of women being sexualized and, and even going the step further of children being sexualized and just never never being men at the forefront of wanting to take charge of this it's always women being like hey this is something we should care about 100 percent. yeah i was reading something the other day and i forget what where it was or whatever but the sentiment oh i do know it was i was reading white fragility um and there was this quote where they said like that women kept advocating for the vote that they wanted to vote and at the end of the day they could talk and they could scream in the streets and they could keep advocating for themselves but it always came down to the men had to be the one to grant them the vote and that's kind of the situation that a similar situation that i feel like that we're in now is we as women can cry out about the injustice we can talk about rescuing people but if we're not all on board how much can get done if it's going to keep being a struggle in society to even call attention to it because people are so sexually repressed i think even just the even just the idea of um the people that i do know that are involved in um, organizations or fundraising for uh, human trafficking, like 99% of them are women. And I think even it's as, it's as small of a change as that of, so one of the organizations I talked about Dressember, like their whole thing is they raise money all throughout the year, but their big fundraiser is in the month of December and women wear dresses every single day and they have people sponsor them. And then on the flip side, if men want to get involved, they can wear a tie but I know tons of people that are involved with Dress Ember. Um, one of my friends, her sis- sister, actually, um, her Dress Ember, like, fundraiser, she actually shaved her head because a lot of the times women um, in trafficking, like, their hair is, like, one of their only things that's sort of, like, power, and they can get that taken away from them. Yeah. And, and so yeah. she shaved her head for that, and I just remember seeing like all of these women being like, oh my gosh, like that's so powerful. Like this is amazing. And very few, at least from what I saw, very few men being like, oh yeah, that's like cool. I want to get involved with that, which is just heartbreaking. Like, of course, like we're women. So like, even though like we'll never like 
we'll never understand like what these women go through because we're women. We have this emotion and this compassion and this empathy because we know what it's like to just be a woman in the world. And it's heartbreaking that because men will never understand what it's like to be a woman in the world. They just sort of brush it off of like, Oh, I don't really have to pay attention to that. Sure. Yeah. Amen. Like need to decompress for a second. Yeah. Uh, So looking forward into, we'll get back to your clothing brand, Josh, like looking forward, do you think that, um, this is like a series you'll continue? Do you think you'll use your art to advocate for sort of other important issues? Like, what do you see that working like long-term or at least in the foreseeable future? Yeah, this, um, yeah, I think for me, um, I was like so set on releasing this collection and it was just like this ongoing waiting process of having enough money of being inspired enough. Um, and I felt like it all kind of came together at the right moment. 2020 was um, a year that I felt like my, uh, just would be a good year to kind of say, you know, what I felt like I needed to say. And um, it was a good year for the beginning of the, the brand and the company uh, fiscally. And so that was kind of like, you know, a relief of having that cushion there. But yeah, I think in terms of like what's next, um, I've kind of made it the way where I feel like when we have something to say, like, you'll know, <laughs> and, um, I think that, you know, the story of human trafficking, like definitely needs to be told. And I hope that I can, you know, be a part of hopefully, um, not the end, but, you know, the future of creators and artists, like using what they do to, uh, put their kind of fingerprint on it and, and, realistically like make people turn their heads and be like that's the coolest thing I've ever seen um and I want to do something about it now and so for me yeah I I I think I don't know what the next collection will look like I don't even know when it'll be um in the fashion calendar it's every spring summer and every autumn winter is when you're supposed to drop the collection um but I just don't live my life that way (laughs) so um but yeah I think uh I always feel like when I have something to offer um, my voice or the team that I bring forth and what we put out, like it'll be because like we had something to say. And so, yeah. Well, I love that, Josh. Thanks so much for being with us today. This is such a joy. Um, not a joyful conversation. That's a stupid thing to say. This is such a, a meaningful conversation for me. <laughs> I think it's a joy to hear a man openly talk about this. There you go. Thank you. I will see that there was a, there was a bit of joy in this heavy conversation. So. Yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, anyways, Josh, tell us where they can, where the people can find you. Plug yourself. Plug myself. Perfect. Um, So our brand is called Castles and Queens. You can find us on Instagram at Castles and Queens. Uh, the website is castlesandqueens.com. Um, right now we're just on social, so you can find us on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, our new video is out. The new collection is out. 
uh, 10% of our proceeds are going to my friend Monique, who I mentioned throughout the podcast, um, in her efforts to start her own program in Los Angeles. And so 10% of uh, this collection will go to um, that cause. So I'm super excited about that. But I appreciate you guys so much. Like, seriously, it's been awesome to kind of hear you guys. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited to see you know where your journeys guys where your journey takes you guys as well wow thanks we should have you back one day yes there's actually so there's actually so many things that um like i said josh has a really cool story so i think we need to have him back to just talk about some other things um (laughs) but also uh when this episode drops we will uh be sharing the video on our social media and we'll be sharing uh, just our, maybe me, Josie and I will pick our favorite pieces to highlight and share on our socials. So look out for that. Yeah, Perfect. and we'll definitely compile some resources for all you lazy people. Um, <laughs> you know, to help the cause because I get it. <laughs> I need resources. So I'll do the work for you. Um, well, friends, you can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church, uh, Twitter Speaking Church because Twitter sucks. Spencer. You can find me on Instagram at Spence Rose, and you can find me on Twitter at Snowball underscore. You can find me at Josie Takes the World or Josie Takes the on Twitter because, again, um, anyways, uh, you can also email us at speakinginchurch at gmail.com. Um, and you can bitch at us. You can hate us. You can want to be on here and <laughs> hate us in person, but I bet you won't. Uh, anyways. That's it for me and for Spencer and for Josh, I guess. <laughs> um, Love y'all. Yeah. Jesus loves you. Yeah. Stay woke or get woke. Bye. Bye.